0: Hey, Welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. And I'm Justin. And let's get into it immediately because on today's show, we have two people who are truly the voices of Philadelphia. One who's rather new to this and one who's been true to this. We'll speak to Philadelphia Union team captain Alejandro Bedoya about how he's using his voice for more than soccer. Also, we speak to Philly's own Gogo Morrow, who has gone from backing the biggest voices to becoming one. For the record, Alejandro Bedoya is not your average team captain. Not because he helped the union become one of the biggest teams in the MLS over the last six years, which includes lifting the first trophy in club history. Not because last year was the closest the union has been to the big win. What makes Alejandro extraordinary is his other passions, like how he weaves them into his craft. Like that moment he grabbed a field microphone and implored Congress to act to end gun violence.
1: Hey, Congress, do something now. End gun violence. Let's go.
0: His work with Gun Safety's Athletic Council and maybe the fact that he is also a graduate of Harvard Business School's crossover into business program, which enables him to invest in multiple startups in real estate. Told y'all. Not the average team captain. Let's start from the beginning with you, because you've been with the union now for six years, right?
1: Yeah, this is my seventh season, I believe, yeah.
0: So talk about when you first got to Philadelphia and how you arrived in Philadelphia, because you weren't traded, right? Right.
1: This was my first U.S. club team professionally. So I was born in North Jersey, but then my-
0: Englewood, what's my- good.
1: Anglewood, New Jersey, yeah, North Jersey, Bergen County. Shout out to Bergen County. Um, And then uh, my father got relocated for his job down to South Florida. We moved to Florida area. And then from high school, I went to school, uh, college, back up in North Jersey. But then I went to Boston College. So from Boston, when I graduated from Boston College, I turned pro immediately and went straight to Europe. I played in club teams. I played uh, in Sweden, in the UK, in Scotland for Glasgow Rangers, and then in France. That was my last club, FC Nantes. I lived there almost four years before I finally came back to the States. And when I left France, I came to Philadelphia Union. So that's how I came to Philly. And then obviously in between through all the time, I was representing the USA team on the international level, the U.S. men's national team.
0: So in any of that time, had you ever spent time in Philly before you had to come here for the union?
1: Yeah, so throughout my time representing the U.S. men's national team, we had played some competitive matches in Philadelphia area, so it was always just short-term stays, you know, probably the max amount of time I spent at one time was a week, you know, and staying in somewhere in Center City, so I just got to see kind of blue-collar town, gritty fan, you know, great sports uh, fans, passionate sports fans. That was all I knew about Philly before I actually moved and lived here permanently. So you really
0: didn't, at that time, it was real surface Philly. Now you're here going on to your seventh season. I'm curious to how the city has surprised you in ways where you were just kind of on your visit before. Like, what does Philadelphia feel like now that it's it's your home?
1: Yeah, it is. It feels that way. We've made a point to to move into the city to really feel the the energy of the city and and you know I've always tried to live in downtown areas wherever I have lived just to get more in tune with the culture, feel part of the real city and meet people. My wife is actually from Norway, and when we moved to Philly, this was actually her first time ever in the states. First of all, I guess from that side from her end, it was a big culture shock. Obviously, I'm American. I was raised here in America, so I'm more familiar with how maybe cities are but for her you know she's come from norway where she's used to leaving her doors unlocked in that sense oh, yeah. a norway, bit of a like style. one of the
0: safest places in the world
1: right so for her it was a big of a culture but for me you know i think i love the fast pace of city living and we love it man i, I just love being able to walk down the street to a local cafe coffee shops being able to experience all the food scene you know the i love the food scene here in philly Ooh. just going Let's talk like- about it,
0: Alejandro because I am all about lists and people's favorites. And so, I, what I also know about you is that your people are Colombian,
1: correct? Yes, that's my both. My parents are from Colombia. Yes.
0: Okay, so that means that I wonder: Have you tapped into the scene? Because on this show, we talk about the fact that Philadelphia is just like the mecca for all things great food from all the places, right? So, I'm just curious if you found your spots yet?
1: Yeah. Look, when I first came up here, the first place my parents when I came here they they came to visit me was. Tierra Colombiana. Good answer. answer. (laughs) That was the first place that they took me to that we went to. And and, parents
0: took you
1: there? Yeah. My parents took me there because my father obviously he wants to make sure wherever he goes, he finds that local Colombian spot where he can get typical Colombian dishes and, and all that stuff. So that's a good spot that taps into that you know my I love that my your blood father blood. just
0: affirmed what we already oh, knew but he just really put the stamp on it so
1: yeah yeah right right and then I've had you know another Colombian spot Cafe Tinto but no I mean the best part about living in the city is is the proximity to so many great spots so uh,
0: non-Colombian just like recently you found a spot and you were just like what this is amazing what was that
1: we love to try new cuisines and things like that. Obviously, Zahab has a great name, right? But the Laser Wolf has good stuff. We love to go for lunch and brunch at Cafe Lamar in Northern Liberties. And they obviously have their sister restaurant, Saraya, which is like Lebanese food, Mediterranean food, which is unbelievable. I like Asian fusion type food. So, like, Double Knot is always going to be one of my favorite spots. I mean, the best dining experience, something they do for a special occasion, right? But it's Vetri, where, you know, you go in and you feel like you're in somebody's home in, in, in Italy straight out in Italy, the way they, the service and the attention to detail and everything like that. That's something that's pretty underrated, I would say, maybe about Philly that I didn't know about before. But the food scene and, and the, the amount of quality chefs here, you know, you have Kalia, Fork, all these spots, man. I mean, they're just they're so good. That's why I love the city and that's why I want to make sure I wanted to move to the city, feel the energy, the vibes.
0: You're more of an expert than the average, because now I see you hold a whole nother different position too in the city. Aren't you working and encouraging folks to come live and, and work in the city? What is that about?
1: Yeah. So I'm on the board of a 501c3 organization that was kind of started. To through the pandemic, actually, called Live Work Philly. The North Star of that is to try to attract residents and talent to come to the Philadelphia region to create a you know more inclusive, diverse, vibrant Philadelphia. You know, obviously, I, I'm a Hispanic, Latino, Colombian. I feel like the Hispanic demographic is one that continues to grow incredibly throughout the country, but one that Philadelphia, being a majority minority city, I think that's where Philadelphia lacks in terms of the middle income population, the base. And if we're talking about creating economic growth and vitality within the city. I think that's a base that obviously will help with tax revenue towards the city, but also help the major employers and the big eds and meds institutions employ more folks that could help the city move forward, progress. And so that's kind of the initiatives that I'm helping out with and tapping into with the Live Work Philadelphia organization and something that I think is necessary for our city, for the city of Philadelphia.
0: It seems like For you, Alejandro, you're a special individual in the ways of, it takes more than a few things to feed your soul, right? Like more than soccer, more than even what you're doing with the anti-gun violence on that level of things. How are you feeding your soul lately? You've been such an activist in that way.
1: Yeah, look, I, I mentioned my wife is from Norway, right? So I think she's been very instrumental in helping me be more vocal, more outspoken on some of these issues because I think Norway is such a progressive country, right? These aren't issues that they have to really worry about over there. And so for me as an American, you know, I feel for many of us Americans, it's almost like we become numb to this type of stuff that's yeah. ongoing. Uh, where we shouldn't be living like this as a society. We shouldn't have to be fearing for our lives when we're going out to the cinema to watch, catch a movie or go out grocery shopping or dropping off our kids at schools. And these worries are very real for so many of us Americans. And Philadelphia is no different. There's no secret that Philly suffers from a lot of gun violence. Safety is an issue a lot, I think, when you talk to employers of the city, you know, in terms of trying to attract residents or talent or even students. And so if we wanna make our community safer, more vibrant and better and give people hope. I think we we need to clean up what's happening outside in our streets. And so that's something that I'm adamant about. Obviously, it hit really close to home to me when the Parkland shooting happened down in South Florida. That was a school that was a neighboring community to where I grew up in Weston. I had a teammate who lost one of his friends in that shooting. That's when I started getting even more and more active. I really realized that I have this platform as a captain, as a leader of an MLS team, but also with my blessing of being a professional soccer player. And why not put it to use to... You know, speak out, be an advocate, right? You know, I'm only a little <laughs> fish of this big pond, but if I can continue to raise awareness and help out in any way that I can, I'm going to do that. And so I feel like being a representative, you know, we're the Philadelphia Union, right? We represent Philly. Yeah, our stadium is down in Chester, but, you know, it's the, the greater Philadelphia region. I live in a city and I love living in a city, but I think for all of us in the city, I mean, you can't hide from it when it comes to gun violence and, and things like that. So definitely feel like, Playing for a professional sports team, you're a representative of your community. And with my neighbors, I'm a father, a parent, you know, I feel like I have a more obligation to make the community I'm represent the city a better place.
0: I just thought about how it's dope that you live in the city because I don't think the average Philadelphia athlete live, like people don't even think about that. They don't live in the city. They live in the suburbs and whatnot. But y'all were purposeful in that decision and staying. And you have children in the raises children in the city.
1: Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of athletes that live outside, right? Even across the bridge in Jersey or down even in Delaware or you know whether it's a main line or outside king of prussia or whatever but you're right there are, i feel you're like the
0: captain living in the city like that's a so huge many deal.
1: yeah and i'm trying to do my job to recruit more of my teammates to come live in the city especially the young guys right now there's about five of us that live in the city five six but i've been doing my part and i feel there's about three or four more coming to live in the city you guys are young it's it's oh. vibrant here you know you got the restaurants go to walk to the,
0: restaurants walk to restaurants
1: the cafes yeah go out get out leave your apartment get off that PlayStation and go out and meet people and talk with people
0: (laughs) somebody told me to ask you it feels like the union are are following the same trend as a lot of the Philadelphia teams where you just get right there right there (laughs) so you think (laughs) that means that y'all are close yeah
1: yeah just first of all thanks for reminding me how we almost won it last year
0: no it's a it's okay, You're, it's a Philly thing. But
1: you feel that it's a, it's a tradition. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a Philly thing. You know, we've been so close, I think the past couple of years, but I think it's still remarkable what we've been able to accomplish so far during my time here and, and put this team on the map on the scene, put the other teams in our league on notice. And, and we've become a, a well-respected organization now, not just within our league and MLS, but from our region perspective, you know, in North America and globally. Soccer is so different from all the other American sports, right? And the way it works but to be able to have a club where kids can go through the academy from a young age, 12 years old, climb the ranks, become a professional through Philadelphia union and then be sold off to Europe, which is like the pinnacle of soccer, right? That just speaks to volumes of where the club stands right now and the progress that's been made. So it's been awesome to see, be a part of, but let me tell you, That championship spirit, those uh, like two, three months last fall with the Phillies and the Sixers and the Eagles and us, especially obviously the Phillies, Eagles and us, the energy was just palpable throughout the city. I mean, just walking around the city, people rocking the jerseys, the hats and that song Dancing on My Own that the Phillies kind of made popular that we were obviously playing also in our locker room. And I'm sure the Eagles were as well. That's what's incredible about the sports fans in this city. They're so passionate, but the sports teams mean so much to the people and the connections that are made and just the energy energy. I mean, you know, it's just incredible. I just love that's part of the reason why I love living in the city. You don't get that in the suburbs. It's great.
0: Do you feel supported in that way by your comrades in the other sports? Do you see them? Do you see the guys from the Phillies? Do you see the guys from the Eagles? Like, is it a real support system in that way?
1: Yeah, it's definitely grown. Look, winning helps, right? People want, <laughs> want to support a winning team, right? So winning definitely helps. So we got to keep winning. But no, it's been incredible to see the support. I mean, just within the, my time here, we've had, obviously, Embiid came out early day when he first came here. But no, just having like Tyrese Maxi from the Sixers, then Jason Kelsey, Boston Scott. Running back for the Eagles is a great friend of mine and supporter of our team. We've had some Phillies come out too. So, you know, there's that cross sport support system there. And, and, you know, we like to obviously support those teams as well. And and to see some of those bigger guys, bigger teams come out, support us and give us soccer, some love. It's great, you know, and I really want to say, you know, unions, it's a Philly team too. Like let's make it a five for five city.
0: Hell yeah. So you kind of went there anyway. So I have to ask you this question that we usually ask our guests. You know, our show is called Love and Grit. When it comes to Philadelphia, how does that resonate
1: with you love and grit i guess i'll start with the grit part because i feel like the city really embodies what i'm about too you know that grittiness throughout my career i have often feel like i've been underappreciated or overlooked and things like that but there's that underdog story right that's what i'm all about you know i'm gonna keep pushing hard and, and keep doing my best and push through adversity and all that stuff and i feel like a lot of Philadelphians feel the same way too There's a lot of love here too. the people, you know, that have character, you know, I appreciate that, you know, even with the sports fans, they're so passionate, you know, I kind of love that when they get behind you, it's all love, but also they'll let you know when you're not doing well. It's that tough love. Everybody needs some tough love too. And I respect that. I wanna hear it straight. And I think Philadelphians shoot it straight. And and I appreciate that about them. And like, there's so much history here, you know, with the 250th anniversary of America, Philadelphia, this is the birthplace of America. This is where it all happened. You know, there's just so much to love and why you love America, it's it started here in Philly. You know, just love and grit. I think those two combinations, those two terms, embodies everything that Philadelphia is all about. <laughs>
2: My name is Nikisha Bailey. Check me out on Love and Grit Podcast because I am
0: Billy. Go Go is anything but traditional. While most may be lucky enough to share the stage with names like Kanye and Gaga later on in their careers, Gogo did it early on before she was to truly realize her calling as a solo artist. However, her hometown of Philly, as we say, been known and been down with all of her talents since she introduced them. Before hitting those other stages globally, Gogo had already sold out shows in Philly, causing her to move her talents to Los Angeles. Now Gogo has caught the ears of other big names like Interscope Records and Black is just kenya Barris. so what's next let's ask congratulations
3: on all your success thank you <laughs> i mean it's a long way from kappa Woo.
2: it is a long way from kappa it is it's been a long journey i feel like i'm
3: about 100 years old sometimes
2: uh, that.
3: <laughs> tell us what's good right now like what are you working on
2: uh we're getting ready i put out my first ep my first ever ep late last year and um one of the songs is taken off. It's gone pretty viral. It's been trending for over six months now. It's called Don't Stop. Hold up, wait it's the way that you'll be touching up on me. Makes me feel like a love is what I need. Don't play them, skip it all. Auto- is now at radio and because it's doing so well we decided to relaunch the project with that being like the lead single so we're getting ready to release ready again it's called ready reloaded mm. with a few additional remixes and some new videos and some new content and everything is coming as well so you guys should see that in the next month or so.
0: I love a good remix. Is it like a one of those good official remixes where you literally changed everything about the beat of the song, but the song is in the same direction?
2: Yeah, actually, honestly, we have a few different remixes because all of them are so good. Made it a repack, we made it like a remix repack. So there's literally for Don't Stop, there's like four different versions of Don't Stop that are that's coming
3: in. now. As an artist, is your goal to get it like to trend on TikTok? Obviously, before it was like the billboard mm-hmm. charts, right? Yeah, but now is that brand new, and she's known for her visuals, so yeah, there's so many distribution channels now.
2: Yeah, me personally, I don't really focus on the social media aspect of it, I actually need to do better, and so that's why Don't Stop gone viral was such an organic thing because that wasn't that wasn't the intent behind it. But I'm that's like,
3: great oh. social when it goes. Organic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And
2: and I prefer that. I prefer that when I first put out the project, I didn't have too much of a social media push from the power that be so the way the record initially started being pushed was because I was on tour. I was touring at the same time that we were promoting the record. So that gave it the first organic push. It was like seeing people in person and touching them in person. It was like a real grassroots version of introducing myself to people, which is my favorite. And going viral is fun as well, but I, I'm such an in-person girl. So for mm-hmm. me, that was more so the goal than making it go viral, just kind of Happened that way, but I, I connect those two because word
3: of mouth is the most powerful tool of marketing. It means the most, right? Because yeah. somebody's taking something they like and giving it to someone else. Yeah, and it, so it's sure. like there's a community that's built around it and around you.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a slower route. <laughs> Sure. But it, like you said, for me, it's a way more rewarding. And it's how you make real core fans. It's how you get your core fan bases, like people who discover you and they're like, oh, I really like her rather than it's like, oh, just follow a trend. You know what I mean? And I'm not putting that down as well. I would love that. I would love if I could have both. If I could marry the two, I would be on the next level. You know what I mean? But my cards are my cards and how I arrive at people and how they discover me is just how would they discover me
0: i got to think by now your show is perfection because for those who don't know gogo like you've been in this process of perfecting live shows for Way more years than I want to admit, because it'd be telling my truth (laughs) and your truth. You
3: guys Um, are both in your 20s, I know. Yes, yes, Jetson, you're so right. I don't know
1: how you guessed that right. Uh,
0: But I'm curious about your journey, because what people don't realize, like Philadelphia and LA having an uh, interesting relationship, and when it comes to creatives and art and how Philadelphians may move and be in between, what was the point in your career where you thought it was time to do something more and go to LA, what that was, and then- Can you also explain? Because a lot of folks may come from Philadelphia to L.A., but they also Mm -hmm. may leave in a short amount of time. And what was the what was the moment that made you stay?
2: To be honest with you, me moving to L.A. was not my first attempt. I tried a year or two before I actually did. And just like you just mentioned, it kicked me right back on to Philadelphia. It's like, all right, you're out of money, you're out of resources. Time to go home. And so that happened to me a year or two before I actually moved here. I didn't come here to move here. I came here to meet with my producer, my current producer, his name's Harmony Samuels. That's such a long story. I lied to him. I told him I was already going to be here. He's like, whenever you're in LA, come to the studio. And I planned my whole trip around meeting this man. And it served me right, because once I got here, he wasn't here. He was in New York. And so I had asked the girl that I didn't even know that well if I could stay with her. And she was so gracious. She's still my friend to this day. Her name's Megan Green. And so when I found out he wasn't here, I was like, I made a mistake. Is there any way I could stay another week? And she was like, yeah, no, you're fine. I just want you to get the meeting that you came here for. Mm-hmm. So when he got back here, we had our meeting and um, I played on some records I had did before. And he just told me what he thought I needed. And our first session, the first song that we did together was my very first single that I put out. It was just such a serendipitous moment for me. So that meeting is actually what kept me here. And once I was here, I just felt like this energy. I felt, I heard God's voice say to me, like, you can't go back home. And I didn't have anything i moved here with literally like a suitcase mm-hmm. and so i was living out of a suitcase for months thank god friends from philly scott and ali they took me in and i actually lived with three grown men for about three <laughs> months and so how many
0: bathrooms two
2: it was two bathrooms okay. but i was literally cinderella like i was cleaning up after them i was cooking for them and and they messed with me every day they used to jump on my airbed. But it was such a fun. It was a, it was a hard time for me because was I was away from my family, but they made the transition so much easier for me. and then um, I got my apartment maybe three months after that was working all kinds of crazy jobs until I got the Kanye West Sunday service job, which is Mm. what helped me comfortably transition to being like a full time artist out here in L.A. Essentially, that's what got me here. And I just knew I couldn't leave. Everything was trying to get me to leave like it did the first time. And I was like, no, God was like, no, you got to stay here. This is the time you fight and you do everything you can to stay here.
3: And it worked out. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's so hard that it's hard for you, I'm sure, to celebrate it because it's been yeah. such a journey. But it's still in like, it, right? Yeah. And when you I'm pull back <laughs> 10,000 feet, you have achieved so much. I mean, you were just at the BET Awards. Yeah. It's only mm-hmm. going to go up and up and up. And that's the thing is like you build it this way, which is yeah. really good. Not like this. Yeah. What do you think Philly has given you to fight this hard?
2: Philly gave me the tough skin, the tough skin that I have and the foundation that I have. A lot of people are like, I like you because you're so like, you still give me East Coast. I still got the same 267 number that, I, <laughs> that I've had forever. <laughs> and I credit that to where I came from and my family and just me really having my feet on the ground and um, knowing who I am. And I think that the training I did in Philly and like how tough of a city we are is what allowed me to deal with all the obstacles that I faced once I got here and that's just the nature of who we are like we're built for this we are definitely built for it
0: she almost gave the whole definition we're gonna we're gonna ask you what love and grit means to you <laughs> yep. as a Philadelphian
2: that, <laughs> that, yeah that's what it means to me I always say like if you can
0: get it if you get Philly you could get it anywhere that's my motto I say yeah. that all the time yeah if you can yeah. get Philly you can get anybody do you maybe have any advice for like <laughs> the young Philadelphian is thinking right now that they want to, but they can't some real practical yeah. what you should have for yourself before you even think about doing something like this?
2: Yeah. Number one, you have to let go of the mindset of like somebody should do something for you. Mm-hmm. It, nobody's going to save you. Nobody's going to rescue you. You have to be your own advocate. And I went through that myself. Like I went through like a me couple too. years of me being like. Why isn't anybody helping me? Why is nobody believing in me? Yes. And then I realized, girl, because you don't believe in yourself. You've got to be the one. You have to be the person because nobody's going to care how you care. Nobody can see what you see. God gave you the vision. He didn't give anybody else vision for you but yourself. So you have to convince people of how special you are. That's so you can't do that without believing it first. That's the biggest piece of advice is you got to really knowing your heart of hearts that this is what you're supposed to do. And you Mm. can't have any doubt. You have to have tunnel vision and whatever comes up. You got to just deal with it because you know what's at the end of the tunnel
0: for you. What are some things in your journey? You mentioned you work with Kanye. We know Mm -hmm. Gaga and a lot of other. Are there some Mm -hmm. some lessons from that?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. My biggest lessons I've learned from working with such big artists is you gotta stay ready. In both cases, they were those were things that I was just kind of thrown into. Mm-hmm. And they really tested my professionalism, they tested my readiness, they tested my passion for it because they were all very difficult. Things. For Gaga, that was like my first big thing ever. It's my first time leaving my family. I was in foreign countries by myself without anything or anybody that was familiar to me. And as fun as it was, it was still very hard growing up on the road and being alone. And the thing with Kanye was an exhaustion thing. Trying to Y'all pace worked, myself. right? Yeah. We worked and we were in like a different city every day. We'd fly into a show on a Thursday and then be back on the plane on a Friday, be in another Sunday service on Sunday, rehearsal on Monday. It was exhausting. And he took care of us, but it was a very exhausting thing. And we had to learn songs like this. He would call and be like, I want them to learn whatever by Sunday. And we would have to learn it Saturday night or Sunday morning before we even had service. So the turnaround was just very quick. And it must have made you such a better
0: artist, though. Like, that's great boot camp.
2: Oh, no. Wonderful boot camp. Wonderful boot camp. I did a show that I got booked for 12 hours before. Mm. And I'm like, hey, guys, I don't have an outfit. I don't have the dancers and I had to get everything. This is a go-go show. It's a go-go show. Yes. I had to get everything together in less than 24 hours Well, it went really well. But those moments are things that helped prepare me for that.
3: When you see at that upper echelon, how much work it is behind the Mm -hmm. scenes Mm -hmm. and you have to be a part of it. And we're Philly people. So like we work, but yeah, people just look at entertainment and see the outside. It is so much work for what people see out there that they'll never have any idea. And not always money. no
0: money. Alright, I mean, <laughs> I mean, to talk about Gogo, I was like sometimes you yeah. get gigs but that doesn't mean that you should expect to get a big check and it takes yeah. something to make the decision that there's something greater in this than the check, correct?
2: Absolutely. I'm still in that stage where a lot of times I'm making decisions like, okay, it doesn't pay I probably won't make anything from me because I have to pay my dancers, I have to pay my band or whatever, but the opportunity will lead to something else. And I'm still building my resume. I'm still building my network of people that I can call for help for whatever I need. So yeah, you always have to be diplomatic and making these decisions. That's something that you're going to learn along the road too. And even not even just physical work, it's mental work. It's weighing the good and the bad. And then it's also mm-hmm. like waking up every day, motivating yourself and living in the most expensive city in the country and There's a lot of elements that go into being an artist. So if you don't really want it, you ain't going to make it. (laughs) Yeah.
3: And anything. I mean, it's just, there's so much competition now because in every field, digital Mm -hmm. has just leveled the playing Mm -hmm. field in so many ways that people who don't have any pop on TikTok and get it. And then everybody thinks that's possible. That is the exception to the rule. For every person who gets on TikTok and that's where they're found, there are, A thousand people living in apartments in Los Angeles, gig operating every day, Mm -hmm. working their butt off to at night do their creative stuff. Yeah, Yeah,
0: so true survival and fitness it is that method is very anti-Gogo anyway because you've been in the trenches doing this physically for the longest so I just think that's funny I'm like there are artists out here that have been doing this artist development for themselves so let me ask you this in that frame though then how do you suggest that your fans and other folks support you how can we introduce more people to you what yes do you need? yes what do you yeah. need girl?
2: It's so simple. Just keep telling people about me. Keep playing my music. Any chance you get, play it on the radio, play it on your podcast. Play my music. Come to my shows. Anytime you see my name, it's so easy. Just show up for me. (laughs) You don't got to do anything else. And I don't think that I make that hard because I really make great music. Right. I I
3: mean, that's the thing is when people get introduced to you because you are yourself and you give all of yourself it's very obvious right like it it just happens
2: for sure it's not hard at all when you see a show if i'm in your city just pull up on me i'll probably be back on the road there soon i'm still a philly girl
0: all right y'all i hope you were inspired and motivated by two dope people and their stories I also hope you took some notes from Alejandro on some of those recommendations. I know I did. Happy Latin and Hispanic Heritage Month. We'll see y'all next time with more Philly dopeness. Please don't forget to follow and subscribe. Bye, y'all.